Hello and welcome to the Trinity Fit Over 40 podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. A lot of the women we speak to are struggling to lose weight around the menopause, especially when it comes to losing weight from their midsection. Nothing they try seems to work and many just assume that belly fat is an inevitable part of menopause and the ageing process. But that doesn't have to be the case. We've worked with thousands of women in their 40s and 50s who flatten their stomach even right in the middle of a tricky menopause. In today's episode, we're going to reveal exactly how they did it. This episode is a combination of two of our most popular past episodes on this topic, so you'll get to hear all the juicy secrets to beating menopause belly fat here in one place. So without further ado, let's get straight into it, sit back and relax, and welcome to today's podcast. So we speak to a lot of women who are in their 40s and 50s running the program do called Fit Over 40, who have gained stubborn weight around the middle due to menopause and are struggling to get that weight off again. Maybe you could relate if you're listening to this. Uh, a lot of the women we work with and a lot of the women that we speak to have already tried all of the different plans and all the different programs that work for them in their 20s and 30s, but they found that these days nothing really seems to work like it used to. And that can be really frustrating. It can leave so many women feeling completely trapped, not knowing what to do to turn things around, kind of dreading going on beach holidays, no longer enjoying shopping for clothes, worrying that they'll never be able to get that excess weight off around the middle or that this is just kind of some part of the aging process that they're going to have to accept. And that's not a nice place to be at all. And while it is 100% true that age and hormones and menopause do make it easier to gain weight, especially around the middle, and can make it much easier, much more difficult to lose that again. The good news is there are a lot of steps you can take to get that weight off again quickly and eve easily, even around the menopause. So today, in part one of this, this two-part series, we're going to go through the first eight of the most effective ways to get rid of menopause belly fat so you can get the scales moving and drop those couple of dress sizes over the next couple of months. All right, so let's get straight into it. And the first thing I would say is before I mention this point, look, we're not doctors. This is not our area of expertise. You know, we're personal trainers, fitness coaches, um, and that's where we will keep most of our advice today. But the kind of overall thing that kind of causes this belly fat, or one of the reasons I should say, because it's not the only thing that causes this belly fat to be stored around the middle, is going to be a change in hormones um, around menopause. So one thing you can do to try and combat that is to replace those hormones that are missing around menopause. So you could do that through taking HRT. That's going to be the only real way to do that. And we're not going to make this a discussion of HRT and whether it's good or bad or what the latest research shows, which generally, if you, if you look at experts like um, Dr. Louise Newson, who's um, you can look her up at the menopause doctor online. Um, the advice is that it's actually pretty healthy it's generally healthier to take hrt than not unless you've got a reason not to but as i said we'll stick to the fitness side of things but what happens during menopause is that our the places our your body stores fat actually changes so this depends on your hormones and depends on your genetics and during menopause both estrogen and progesterone the female sex hormones they decrease to a very very low level and because of this what happens is your testosterone levels, which women also have, it's kind of thought of as a male hormone, but women have testosterone as well. Testosterone levels sort of remain the same, but estrogen and progesterone levels drop. And what this does is then it creates a gap between those and the testosterone levels are sort of comparatively now higher. So it's like you have to higher testosterone. You don't, it's the same, but it's because the other levels drop that now it's comparatively higher and your body works on this sort of balance of these hormones. And that can lead to a lot of the menopause side effects. It can lead to things like oily skin. It can lead to things like more body hair, um, all of those classic menopause side effects that, that can happen, but also it can cause the place where you store body fat to change. So from being on your limbs, perhaps on your lower half to being more around the middle. So you're more likely to store fat when you store fat on the middle. So what HRT would do is it would increase those estrogen and progesterone levels again, which means that you'll be more likely to store that body fat on your limbs and on your lower body and your arms rather than around the middle and store less on the middle. And that's generally healthier because you don't have what's called visceral fat, which is the fat around your organs around the middle, which is the one that's most closely linked to things like heart disease and things like that. So people who don't take HRT are often at higher risk of heart disease um, and have the same sort of heart attack risk as men. 
um, because of that change in hormones. If they take HRT, then that heart disease risk um, drops a lot because the fat isn't stored around the middle. And it's actually much healthier to store your fat generally on your, on your limbs. So HRT would kind of shift that fat pattern, but it's not the only thing. Like it's not just going to be a solution because there's lots of other reasons we'll talk about today, such as eating too much, not exercising enough. That mean you're going to store body fat no matter what. It just depends where you store that body fat and the HRT will help you to not store it around the middle, but there's lots of other things you can do as well. So I'll pass over to Ben now and you can go into some other things you can do um, regardless of HRT really to, to make sure that you avoid this menopause body fat gain and uh, belly fat gain, I should say. So yeah, I mean, we've worked with loads of women who we've worked with women who have probably been on HRT and women who have not been on HRT. And in both cases, it is possible to, to turn this around and to see amazing results. So whatever you do decide in terms of that, um, just know that like, you know, there are so many other things you can do and you probably want to do these things either way. But the second tip then is to basically to, to exercise in a low impact way, three to four times per week. This is really, really important because it keeps like keeping that exercise low impact, keeps the stress hormone cortisol as low as possible. And this can prevent, um, but having high cortisol can prevent fat loss, especially from around the middle. So, you know, as Rob, as you said before, Rob, the, way, the, the, the places that your body is going to store fat and going to hang on to fat is all going to be dependent on hormones. And um, stress can have an impact on those hormones as well as menopause. So doing high impact exercise. So, you know, HIIT training or spinning or most other exercise classes will spike your hormones excessively. And it will increase those stress hormones. So this should be avoided if you are kind of 14 above and you think that some of your weight gain is, is related to menopause. The other problem with this is it's much more likely to lead to an injury, especially if you're already carrying excess weight. So, I mean, it's probably fine if you're, you know, for example, if you go to a hit class or you watch a video and you see the instructor and they're jumping around doing burpees and all this kind of stuff, it's probably fine for them if they're like a 25 year old fitness instructor or whatever but if you're carrying excess weight you haven't exercised for a long period of time you know doing these these jumping movements around it can be really damaging on your joints hammering on your knees with additional weight that, that you're carrying at the same time and if you if you do end up injuring yourself this could then put you out of action for a longer period of time and while you're unable to exercise for that long period of time you're likely to then gain more weight so long term Avoiding injury is also really, really important. So what we recommend instead is low impact strength training. So this type of training keeps stress levels low, it avoids injuries, um, and it allows you to exercise consistently also in a way which is very effective for losing body fat. So if you're not sure where to start with that, it's essentially just anything that involves slow controlled weighted movement. So that could be with kettlebells, could be with barbells, could be with dumbbells it could be with anything at all it could even be just body weight exercises but it's about doing that kind of you're looking for a type of exercise where it's slow repetitive movement so you know where they're telling you to do 10 squats and each one is nice and controlled rather than we're going to do 30 seconds of sprinting on the spot jumping up and down in the air that's the type of thing to avoid so exercise in a low impact way three to four times a week if you're just starting out three times per week will be absolutely fine and you know, it, it, that's a really good way just to get things started um, in, in moving the scales in the right direction. So another thing that can help this kind of link to what Ben was just talking about is just increasing your overall activity um, outside of workouts as well. So a lot of people think the only way to kind of get active is to do workouts, to do like some intense exercise, running, jogging, gym classes and things like that. But actually a big contributor to the 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 amount of weight we can lose and this will also help with losing belly fat is is doing just general activity and that's that's pretty much just measured by your step count so what we would generally recommend to, to all of our clients is to start by aiming for a minimum of five thousand steps a day and for some people that's easy they're already achieving that there's plenty of other things in this podcast that you can you can do on top of that that you're going to need to do as well but for people who are not doing that and who have a very sedentary lifestyle who in desk-based jobs which Believe it or not, Ben and I are also in. Like we, our job is actually based on the laptop. We're not teaching gym classes and, and doing much movement either. The first thing to do if you're in that situation where you spend all your day on the computer is just to get moving a bit more. 
Because otherwise, what happens is if you don't move much, if you just don't get many steps in per day, the amount of energy you, you, you use throughout the day, even if you do a few workouts over the week, the amount of energy you're generally using is very, very low, especially as you get older and your metabolism slows down a bit anyway. You're just going to end up having to absolutely starve yourself to, to see any sort of progress. And it's going to be completely unsustainable. You won't be able to eat out. You won't be able to eat any nice foods. You won't really be able to drink much alcohol if you want to see any progress. So what we'd recommend is to increase simple activity, just, just like walking. And you could do this outside. That's generally where you can do it. But it could even be just if, you, if you've got a larger house or even a large flat, you could walk around that and do things like doing chores. All of these things actually burn quite a lot of energy. And the good thing about them is because it's just walking, it's very low impact. It's not going to damage your joints. And as Ben talked about before, high impact stuff will spike your stress hormones and actually could stop you losing weight from around the middle. So this low impact exercise will actually complement um, your hormones. It will help keep the, the right hormones at bay in terms of stress. So it keep cortisol levels low so that you're able to shift that belly fat without having to do anything intense. And there's one or, one or two other added benefits that come from it as well. So getting outside is going to be really good for your mental health. It's going to be good to get some vitamin D um, and good for your mood. And then you can come back to work feeling refreshed and focused. And I'll typically try and do a a short walk at lunchtime and a lot of people say it's fine for you you've got a dog a dog often goes out with a dog walker at lunch so i actually do this on my own um because he's a spanner and he's tiring out so i will just take my headphones like i've got in now i'll listen to a podcast or an audiobook and i'll walk and i'll, I'll try and get that kind of double avid benefit and then i'll come back to work feeling refreshed and ready to kind of go again rather than just sitting there getting more and more and more and more tired getting more and more stiff and uncomfortable and also not burning many calories so it's very likely you're going to gain that weight around the middle so the only other thing I say on terms of walking is you can make it more interesting by walking with a dog. The dog's down here. That's one point down here. Or you can um, you could walk with a friend or something like that. If you really don't like it, get someone else involved, get your partner involved, get a friend involved. I'll often walk with my girlfriend in the evenings uh, and we'll also chat through the day and kind of unwind before cooking dinner. Cool. So, yeah. So tip number four then is essentially just to reduce your alcohol intake so it might sound obvious but when you drink alcohol it essentially changes the way that your body works and the liver switches to burn that alcohol instead of fat the reason it needs to do this is because alcohol is essentially a poisonous substance um you know it might it might not seem that way when you've got a nice delicious glass of wine but if you imagine taking uh, you know, something really strong a bottle of vodka or tequila or something you can see that 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 is something it's it's something something strong something intense and the body needs to process that out um basically so that you don't avoid so that you avoid getting poisoned so alcohol also suppresses testosterone production and usually the hormone testosterone in women and men um, helps to keep your metabolism high and this effect of having suppressed testosterone can last for up to a day after drinking as well. So alcohol is basically delaying your liver's ability to burn fat and also blocking the hormones that it needs to break down fat. And when the body is focused on processing that alcohol out, it's not able to properly break down foods containing carbohydrates and fat. So therefore, these, these calories that you eat are going to be converted into body fat more readily, carried away for permanent storage on the body. And then the body is also in a position where it's not optimized for, for burning body fat. It's preoccupied with processing out alcohol. The hormones are not in the right place. So you're just more likely to store fat and it's gonna be more difficult for your body to get rid of that. And during menopause, hormonal changes mean that this additional fat that's gonna be stored if you're drinking too much is most likely to be stored around the belly. Because as we talked about before, your hormones dictate where your body's gonna store fat. So that's why as you're kind of approaching the menopause or going through the menopause, drinking too much is, is kind of a, a real compounding factor with everything else that's going on, which can mean that you're way more likely to gain weight around the middle. And it's way more difficult to lose that weight around, around the middle than it might have been when you were younger. So reducing your alcohol intake, um, I mean, our clients, I would say, most of them don't cut it out completely. Most of them still, you know, they're able to go out, enjoy a glass of wine, have a drink with friends, but it's just kind of reducing that constant daily um, daily drinking or kind of weekend binge drinking. You want to take your drinking down to a nice, healthy and sustainable level. And this kind of leads nicely into our next tip, which is how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so 
our number one strategy for actually reducing alcohol intake, the, the easiest way to do it, as well as reducing unhealthy food. So our next tip is going to kind of involve both of those things is to think about what you actually bring into the house, because all food and drink that you have in the house will eventually get consumed. And the only thing stopping that from happening is your own discipline and willpower. So you're really, really reliant on discipline and willpower. And a lot of people think, and a lot of diets also kind of make it so that you're just trying to not eat these things and trying to not drink these things. But the problem is that you only have a certain amount of willpower. It's kind of like your phone battery. And once that's depleted, once you don't, you know, once you've used up your willpower for the day, there's none left. Just like once you've used up your phone battery, no matter what you do, press the on button, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to work. So if you have a really busy and stressful lifestyle, then you're going to deplete your willpower very, very fast. And once it's gone, you're going to eat tempting food and you're going to drink, drink the alcohol as well. Like Ben and I know better. I, I have to regularly reset what we're getting in our online shop because I have to say to my girlfriend, look, don't, don't bring that thing into the house because if you do, I'm going to have it. And we all know how that kind of goes. Oh, I've just got to go and uh, let the dog walker in one second. <laughs> Do you want to finish off this point for me? Yeah, yeah, I'll go for it. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically, if you can set your environment up so, um, so that those foods and those drinks that you don't want to consume are not around you, you're not having to use willpower in order, to, in order to avoid those things. You don't actually have to try to be disciplined. Instead, you open up the cupboard and you can see that there's only healthy choices in there. And I'll go into some, I'm gonna go through in a minute, just some alternatives to alcohol, which you can have, which you can still enjoy. Um, but in our Fit Over 40 program, the, mem the women that we work with basically go through a process called the cupboard cleanse, where they will either get rid of all the unhealthy foods and the alcohol from the house completely, if they want to you know, really make that kind of a permanent change, or they'll make them take a lot more effort to access. So for example, placing all of your alcohol in a box, in a garage, or putting a lock on one of your cupboards and just having a place where your family can access these unhealthy foods, but you can't. So if they really want to have those foods, they have to go to the effort of actually taking, going and like finding that alcohol out of the back of the garage rather than just opening the fridge and there's a cold bottle of wine or a, a nice cold bottle of Prosecco or something already in the fridge. Because let's face it, after you've had a stressful day of work, your willpower is, is depleted. You've been making decisions all day. You've maybe probably been looking after the family, worrying about everybody else all day as well. You open that fridge to make dinner and you're like, go on then, just have a glass of wine. If it's there, you're gonna have it. So just make sure that it's not there. And that leads into our next tip then, which is basically to swap to alcohol-free alternatives. So just because you're avoiding or cutting down on alcohol doesn't mean that you have to miss out on it completely. And these days there are loads and loads of alcohol-free alternatives available, which are much lower in calories. They also taste pretty good. Um, I'd say they probably don't taste as good as the real thing, but they taste pretty good. And they also don't come with a hangover, of course, and they will let you achieve your goals. So a few examples um, that we've found is iceberg sparkling wine you can get. Um, so you can have a nice fizzy glass of something sparkly while everybody else is so you're not missing out. You can get beers. So there's Lucky Saint unfiltered lager, Beck's Blue. Uh, I've had Beck's Blue before. I think Beck's Blue is it's pretty decent, especially you chill it, you get it nice and cold. It's quite nice if you're a beer person. Um, if you're a gin and tonic person, you can uh, seed lip, make some non-alcoholic gin alternatives. You know, get one of those, get a nice gin glass, fill it with ice cubes, put some garnish in there as well, get a nice tonic with it. It will be a really enjoyable drink. and It just comes without the alcohol. And all of these things, um, they're lower in calories, which means you're more likely to lose weight on them. And because they're alcohol free, they also avoid all of those disadvantages we talked about before. So, you know, your, your liver not being able to process out the body fat, the effects they have on your hormones. But they also avoid the mindless eating that happens while you're drinking and the next day when hungover. Because let's face it, we've all been there in that situation where you've been out, you've had a few too many drinks. You walk past the takeaway on McDonald's or something and you just you just have you just go in there you don't even think about it you go in there you get yourself a takeaway or whatever and you enjoy it um or when you wake up with a hangover and you think do you know what I need now I need a massive fried breakfast and you go out and get yourself a massive fried breakfast so we all know that alcohol tends to lead to poor um food and drink choices um so if you switch to if you can switch to non-alcoholic um alternatives or cut down your alcohol intake completely if that's one of your biggest problems, 
drinking too much, even just that, that small change on its own could have a massive impact when it comes to your results. One other thing that I think people won't realize is kind of linked to, to, to fat gain and belly fat gain is actually sleep as well. So alcohol will disrupt your sleep. That's one thing we kind of didn't mention that point, but there's a lot of other things that can also disrupt it. And if you can improve your sleep, you'll actually improve a whole load of other things that will make shifting that belly fat a lot easier. So if you don't sleep well, what a lot of people don't realize is it disrupts your hunger hormones. And these are called leptin and ghrelin, the key two hunger hormones. And ghrelin actually regulates our appetite. So that's how hungry we feel every day. And leptin regulates that feeling of fullness. So it's kind of that cue to stop eating when you've eaten what your body deems is enough. And if you've had a poor night of sleep, ghrelin levels increase, leptin levels decrease. And what this means is you'll feel way more hungry all day and crave, especially crave things like comfort foods. And you also won't even feel full, even if you've eaten quite a lot of these foods as well. So lack of sleep directly makes your cravings worse and therefore it's much more likely to overeat. And there's a great book on this called Why We Eat by, uh, Why We Eat, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. It could be called Why We Eat because a lot of the side effects of lack of sleep are eating too much. But in Why We Sleep, he talks about um, this study that was done on two groups of people. And there was a, a group of people that were sleeping eight hours and a group of people that were sleeping five hours a night. And they basically took this, these two groups of people, they were, you know, they took a big wide range of people. So they were basically the same on average. Um, other than their sleep, everything else was controlled and they took them to a buffet and they let them just eat what they wanted. Um, and then they just studied how much they ate. And the group of people sleeping for five hours a night, ate 300 calories more on average than the group of people sleeping for eight hours a night. And that's in just one sitting. And that might not mean much to you, 300 calories, but basically if you did that at every meal, which is kind of what those people would be doing, or at least a couple of meals a day. But if you did it every meal, just because of lack of sleep, nothing else has changed, then you gain two stone in, uh, you gain a stone, sorry, in two months, the average person would. So it's pretty crazy. Even if you, you didn't quite eat that much, you'd still be very likely to gain a lot of weight over time. And if it's during menopause, you're gonna gain that rate weight around your, your middle. So lack of sleep directly affects your cravings. Lack of sleep, generally it's going to cause people to to become more overweight so what you want to do is focus on improving your sleep and we've done a whole podcast on this you can go back and listen to it but make sure your sleep environment's good make sure you're not using things like technology and um and uh you know stressing yourself out right before bed by looking at emails and news and stuff like that be sensible most of us know what we're doing that's ruining our sleep make those changes and then you'll find it way easier just like ben said with alcohol it could be the one thing you change that means you get rid of that that menopause belly and lose the excess weight sleep could just be another one of those things if you just change that one thing everything could be transformed yeah and it's really easy to see how people can how it can be so easy for your weight to kind of spiral out of control if you have more than one of these factors at play because as, as you said before just then rob those people ate 300 additional calories just from lack of sleep. If at the same time you add in then an inactive lifestyle where they could be burning sort of 200 to 300 calories less um, per day due to that inactive lifestyle, suddenly they're now 600 calories over what they need to eat. Then you add in some weekend drinking and you add in some the, the unhealthy food that goes along with that and you add in the, the hormonal impacts and how that blocks the liver from burning fat. As soon as you add a few of those factors together, that can really, really, you know, your weight can very quickly and very easily spiral out of control. So I think, yeah, just figure out what's the, what is the number one thing that you need to change, change that one. And then if there's anything else that you think also needs attention, just work through those things one by one. Um, and you'll slowly see everything starting to reverse and, and the results starting to come. But yeah, the, the final thing um, that you might want to take into consideration, if you're, if your sleep is less than ideal, as we said before, one thing that people will then end up doing is they end up turning to caffeine to try and boost up their energy levels. You're probably going to have to correct me on this, Rob, this uh, pronunciation here, but caffeine works by blocking your adenosine receptors. Adenosine or adenosine? Adenosine, I think it is. You sound American. Adenosine. <laughs> adenosine is, I think, how it's said, but I might be wrong. Someone might also correct us. That's how I would yeah, say might, it. There might be a scientist watching, but essentially um, caffeine blocks the receptors that contribute to the feeling of tiredness. So caffeine doesn't necessarily give you any energy. It just stops you from feeling 
the tiredness that your body is trying to tell you that you that you do feel. However, caffeine does also have a half-life of six hours, which basically means the effects of caffeine are half as strong after six hours, um, but those effects have not gone away entirely. So drinking caffeine in the afternoon, which many people do, many people we find, you know, they've got this busy job, they've got a stressful life, they find their energy level slump mid-afternoon and they pick that back up with caffeine. But drinking caffeine in that afternoon can, have, can still be having an impact on you at the time when you're trying to go to bed and at the time when you're trying to get to sleep. So it can then go on to impact your sleep. Caffeine also spikes your body's internal stress levels and the stress hormone cortisol, as we talked about before. And as we said, high cortisol levels make your body less likely to burn fat, more likely to store it, especially around that midsection. And caffeine is just another factor which can contribute to this. So as you can see here, then these things all stack up. You could be not sleeping enough. You could also be drinking, which is ruining your sleep. You could be having caffeine, which is ruining your sleep. Then you're unproductive in the day, which means you're stressed out, which means you turn to food. And this is this is basically the situation a lot of our clients are in. And it's, it's no surprise that's when they when they come to us, it's no surprise then that they're gaining weight around the middle. They're, you know, their cortisol levels are through the roof. They're consuming too many calories. They're not moving enough. Um, and make, it's very, very hard to get out of this cycle. This, this is why inside our Fit Over 40 program, we just make small changes every week. We don't try and change all of these eight things we talked about today, plus all of the eight things we're going to talk about next week in one go. We'll do it stage by stage, week by week, and work with them one-to-one -one throughout that process to make sure that they've kind of cemented a few habits. And we start with the most important ones. And then once they've been cemented, then we build some new habits. And then once they've been cemented, we build some new ones. So over 12 weeks, they go from this person that's stressed out, that's drinking too much, having too much caffeine, can't, you know, doesn't have control over food choices and isn't moving enough to, to someone who's kind of nailed all of that stuff and it's become sort of second nature for them. So if, if you're listening to this and just thinking this sounds like way too many things to change, try not to be intimidated by that. And as Ben said, just pick one thing from today and we're going to go through the next day in next week's episode. Um, pick one thing from each week and just work on improving that one thing that week. And then just before we've, we've got a, um, a testimonial about how to, you know, what kind of things you can achieve in terms of losing belly fat in 12 weeks. But before we get into that, if people want to find out more about that Fit Over 40 program that we both, um, that we run, where can people go? So to find out more information about what we do, about having us help you to put this all into action, to drop one to two dress sizes between now and Christmas, just go to www.fit40info.com and you can grab all of the details there. Rob here, just a quick interlude. So you've heard part one and we'll be jumping into part two any second now where we'll dig into eight more essential things you need to do to banish menopause belly fat for good. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you so much for listening, whether you're part of our Fit Over 40 program or not, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. It's, it's definitely true that age and that changing hormones and menopause can make it more difficult to more difficult to lose weight and easier to gain weight, especially in around the middle. But the good news is there are loads and loads of things you can do to get that weight off again, to shrink your waist, to lose inches. And that's exactly what we're going to cover in this two part series. So we covered the first eight points in in the first one. And we're now going to go through points nine to six, 16 of 16 ways to get rid of menopause belly fat. So let's get into it. And the ones today may seem a bit less like uh, direct. You might think this doesn't sound like the first thing I'd start with. Well, that's why we did the first episode. We go through a lot of the fundamental basics you need to do. And then these are other things that kind of make those basics things you can do consistently and things you can do um, for the long run because if you don't do something consistently the res consistently the results are only ever going to be temporary and you're going to gain that weight back again so the first thing today that we're going to recommend that you do to to kind of get rid of that menopause um, belly fat is to regularly practice some sort of simple mindset routine and one thing we recommend in terms of this with our clients is a couple of written mindset exercises that takes just a couple of minutes a day and the reason we do this is because the way we think is very closely linked to the actions we take. A lot of people just think um, they've got to wait till they're in the right headspace before they can take action. If they're not feeling motivated, then they just don't. And then they're going to gain more weight. The reality is we can control a lot of how we feel and how we think. And we have a lot more control over that than, than, 
than we often realize. And if you can have some tools and tactics available to you, that means you can put your head in the right place every single day so that regardless of how motivated you woke up feeling or what's going on around you, you can be consistent, you're going to be able to get rid of that belly, belly fat much more easily doing some of the ta other tactics we're talking about. Because if you can't do them consistently, it's not going to work. And there's lots of different forms of this. We have a process called the stress shield, which helps to kind of change the way our clients think about things. It helps them to get all of that stress out of their head so that they can reduce anxiety and process stressful thoughts in a much more um, in a much more productive way uh, so they can deal with things going on in their lives, whether it's, you know, ill parents, whether it's bad news in, in the news, with what's going on at the moment. All of this stuff, what we help them to do with these mindset exercises is to ultimately feel less stressed, which will then bring down the, the stress hormone cortisol, which will also help with losing weight around the middle. Because as we talked about it in the first episode, the stress hormone cortisol actually encourages weight gain around the middle. It's one of the reasons why people gain weight as they get older, as their life gets more complicated and more stressful, combined with obviously eating too much or not moving enough. All of that combined means that they gain weight around the middle. So if we can bring that stress level down, as well as giving you more mental space and more energy to actually make good choices. So you're not just making choices based on panicky um, situations and just, just out of anxiety and worry, then you're able to make better choices with eating and exercise. And if you make better choices with eating and exercise, you're going to see better results. And a really quick way for you to start this, if you're listening to this and you think, I, you know, I don't know what your stress shield tool is. We can't really explain this that quickly on this episode, but one thing you can do is you can either journal so this is just get a um, get a notepad and just write out all your feelings, get them out of your head. It's just a brain dump like that can even really help if, even without a structured way of doing it. Or you can try our next tip, which I'll let Ben go into, which is meditation. So yeah, meditation is kind of, um, it, it kind of, it brings a lot of the same benefits that you just covered in, Rob just covered in the previous point. And it's amazing if you want to improve your ability to deal with stress. So it has a, a few really, really good benefits, but Basically, reducing stress levels, as Rob said previously, helps you to avoid stress eating, first of all. You know, if you don't feel that stress at the end of a busy working day, you're not so likely to reach for the bottle of wine or the packet of crisps or whatever it is. The second thing is, again, it also brings down your stress hormone, cortisol, um, which means you won't store so much weight around the middle. Literally, just the process of closing your eyes and, and deep breathing or whatever type of meditation you do will just bring your stress levels down. And you'll probably notice that you feel a lot less stressed after meditating. And one, one way to almost test this for yourself is if you just kind of, um, at any point when you feel stressed, just try this out. If you just take like probably five to 10 really deep, slow breaths, maybe like four seconds in and seven seconds out, something like that. And just notice how you feel before and how you feel afterwards. And then imagine if you stretch that out and you did a regular meditation practice for five minutes, 10 minutes, even up to 20 minutes a day how, what impact that could have on your life. Um, but yeah, the other, the other benefit that meditation can have is what Rob was talking about before, kind of working on your, working on your thoughts, working on your mindset, um, you know, being able to be in control of your thinking and be in control of your actions. When paired with meditation, what meditation can help you do is almost slow your thoughts down. So if you've got these tools for dealing with your dealing with different thoughts and choosing which thoughts are going to serve you and which thoughts are not going to serve you, it also really helps if you've done all your meditation in advance so that when you get into that stressful situation where you're thinking, one, one, on one side, you've got the little devil on your shoulder going, go on, it won't hurt, one, one's not going to make a difference. And the other one, you've got the, the angel on your shoulder saying, no, you don't need this, stick to your goals. It allows you to kind of slow down and rather than just gravitating towards one of those voices, which let's face it, is usually the negative one. It allows you to slow down and process and think about which thought you actually want to want to go with. And uh, the, the guy who taught me and Rob how to meditate, um, he uses an, an analogy of a bathtub so that your life is almost like a bathtub, which is filling up with stress constantly from work, from family life, from even you know stressing about your weight, stressing about your health, everything that's going on in the news. It's constantly filling up. And if you don't let that plug out, eventually the stress builds up and it spills over the top of the bathtub. And that, that stress spilling over the top of the bathtub looks like high cortisol levels, gaining weight around the middle, being really stressed, making bad choices with food. 
And so the stress will kind of, it will be released, but in an unhealthy way that doesn't get you what you want. So the meditation and mindset exercises, that both of them are like pulling the plug out of the bathtub, allowing stress to drain out on a daily basis. So you can keep your stress at a manageable level, deal with stress in a healthy way, and be able to make the choices that you need to make with your eating, with your exercise to get the results that you want. And if you feel a bit intimidated by the idea of meditating, a great way to start is, is with a number of different apps out there. So there are loads and loads of different meditation apps out there. And I, would, I wouldn't say there's any one type of meditation, which is kind of the best type of meditation. I think the best type of meditation is the one that works for you, the one that you, know, you kind of click with and, and the one that you actually find easy to stick to and find easy to do on a regular basis. So a couple of apps that I've used in the past that have worked really well. Number one is, is Headspace. Um, I think a lot, loads of people know about Headspace. It's really, really popular these days, but you know, you could, you can sign up for a free account there and you'll get, a, a, I don't know, a certain amount of meditations, guided meditations available to you, which will kind of take you through how to get started with meditation. And then the app that I use is one called Insight Timer. Insight Timer has, it can, you know, there's some parts of it which are literally just as simple as a timer that just goes off with like a gong or something every five minutes to, to alert you to change whatever type of meditation you're doing. But also on there now, they do have loads and loads of guided meditations that, that teachers and coaches and things have, have put in there for you. So if you, feel, if you feel intimidated by the process of starting meditation, I would recommend start with an app, get some help, get some guidance through it. And um, you'll probably find it, it's, it's actually much easier than you than you would imagine. And if you're interested as well in learning more about meditation in general, you can check out, I'm not sure the episode number, but we did a podcast with Arjuna Ishaya, who is the teacher who taught Ben and I how to meditate. He's a Ashaya monk, which is a fancy word for saying meditation teacher, basically, and mindfulness teacher, but he's really, really good. And check that episode out. He has loads of amazing words of wisdom in there and he'll go into more detail about how to get started as well. And you only need to start with a couple of minutes a day. You don't need to start with anything massive and see how it makes you feel. So those are two, two kind of mindset-based things that we find make a massive difference for our clients because their lives are stressful. And if they can deal with the stress better, then they don't turn to stress eating, stress drinking and sabotaging their results. But another thing a lot of people don't think about when it comes to losing weight is, I've actually just been writing about this in the Fit Over 40 book we're putting together, um, is fun or the other, the other way we kind of phrase this because a lot of people kind of think fun is only sort of frivolous activities, but me time. So getting some me time every single week is not something to underestimate. Like if you're someone who's constantly on the go, like most of our clients are, you know, you're dealing with a busy career and at the same time, you're also taking care of everything around the house can be really, really easy to find yourself in this position where you're not taking any time for yourself, especially if you've raised children and your focus was on raising them and then also providing for them through work. Most people we work with find that somewhere along the way, they kind of lost themselves and they stopped learning to do things for themselves and putting themselves first. And it's understandable. It's very selfless and it's what a lot of mothers will do. But the problem is what this can kind of end up the situation this can kind of end up with you in is where you end up just feeling stressed and overwhelmed all of the time and you don't have any outlet for it. You just got that pent up stress, you've got the stress pent up overwhelm and really life's for everyone and everything else and not for you and you're just not enjoying, enjoying life as much. And then the only thing that's enjoyable that you can turn to is food or drink. And if that's the state you're in where you don't really have any fun and any me time for just for you, not for anyone else, because a lot of people mix this up and say, I'm, I'm going to have fun and we're going to do it with the family. No, it's not about thinking what they want. It's thinking about what you want and what will help you. And if you don't have any of that, then it's no surprise really that people turn to food and drink because it's a very quick and easy way to feel better. You get that quick dopamine hit when you eat a pack of chocolate. You get that quick hit of alcohol and that sort of numbing feeling when you have a drink. But obviously both of those are not going to help. Um, they're going to help you to store that fat around the middle um, during menopause. So we want to avoid that because if we don't have any, any way of getting over this stress and overwhelm and, and feeling good, then we're going to just make poor choices with food and drink. And we're going to probably skip exercise as well. And having this high level of stress, as we talked about so many times, also will keep that stress hormone cortisol really high all the time, which 
can lead to more fat being stored around the middle, which you really don't want when already your hormones are against you during menopause. So taking some me time is something we recommend for all of our clients every single week to relax, to de-stress and just do something they enjoy so that food and drink isn't the only fun thing left in their life. Because what is the point in working so hard? Again, like most of our clients do, they have high pressure jobs. What's the point in working that hard if you never ever get to enjoy the fruits of your labor and you never get any enjoyment just for yourself? So it can be as simple as having something like a nice relaxing bath. That's not for everyone, but it could be having a bath and reading a book. It could be um, for you, one of my clients, um, Becky, she regularly takes an evening off a week and she does a yoga class on that evening. She'll go, previous to some of the new rule changes, she'd go out to a cafe just on her own, which might sound mad, but she loved it. Take a book with her. Um, she'd go out to a cafe, have dinner on her own that night uh, and read her book, do a yoga class, have a nice relaxing bath. And then she has that one night without the kids. She's got relatively young kids who have very high energy. Um, and then she does the equivalent for her husband. So I think it's Friday night. He gets to do like a games night with, with his mates. They do some sort of gaming thing together and she looks after the kids. So there's, there's a deal there that means she gets a night for herself. And then what she finds is she's not constantly searching out food and drink for entertainment. She's able to release a lot of stress on that evening. And um, she's seen incredible results as well. She's come right down, I think, to a size six, I think, in some clothes, eight or six. Um, from being like a 10 to 12 at the beginning as well and it's you know it's no surprise she's she's also made sure that she's got what she needs it's kind of a human need right to to look after yourself and she's been doing that really really well so yeah so the next thing you can focus on then is that's really kind of key to everything it's just making sure that you're tracking your food to eat the right amount for you so all fat loss and, uh, you know, including losing, losing fat around that middle area, losing fat from your belly. The, for, for that, the most important thing is called energy balance. So basically, this means consuming the right amount of calories for you. So not too little, but also definitely not too much. So as you get older and your hormones start to change as you're approaching menopause or during menopause, this can have an impact and an effect on your metabolism, which means you can't really get away with eating so many calories without gaining weight. And because of the place that your hormones are in now, and as we talked about that stress hormone, because most a lot of people, they lead very stressful lives. And as they get older, climb the career ladder, their levels of stress go up and up and up. That can mean that a lot of that weight starts to get stored around the middle rather than in other places. So to get rid of that menopause belly fat, you basically need to have a closer watch on the foods that you're eating and make sure that you're eating the right amount for you um, which again is not too much, but also not too little. It's a little bit like budgeting in your life. So I think most people are able to, um, you know, budget with their with the money that's coming in from their wages. Take that money, partition it off into the where they're going to spend it, buy all the things they need, you know, food, etc., putting a roof over their head. And if you can do that, if you can, you know, balance the balance the money between the money coming in and money coming out in your life then you have everything you already need to balance the food coming in and the food which is going out. So this number of calories that you'll need to take in each day is completely unique to you. And it's based on your age, your weight, your health, your body weight, your body fat percentage, your hormonal situation, uh, your dieting history and any underlying health conditions as well. So it can be, it can vary quite wildly from person to person. And that's one reason that we, you know, we will take the time to assess every single person we work with on a one-to-one -one basis, figure out exactly what we think they should, they should be eating. And even so, when we figure out somebody's calories and somebody's food intake, it's, it's a lot of the time, you know, we do get it close enough. But even so, that initial guess will just be kind of an estimate, be a, a pretty good estimate, but an estimate. So it's also necessary sometimes to adjust and tweak that calorie, that, that calorie intake based on somebody's progress as they go through the program. So, but if you can get that number exactly right, if you can get to that sweet spot where you're not eating too much, but you're not starving yourself, you're not eating too little, you're pairing that with the right type of exercise program, which is, is designed to kind of boost your metabolism, um, burn some calories at the same time, you can get very, very steady and consistent weight loss over a 12 week period without having to kind of starve yourself, without having to 
ban loads of foods without having to cut out treats and snacks or cut out carbs or do anything really, really drastic. Um, but it all comes down to kind of finding that individual amount for you. So if you do this in a really specific way, um, you can get results without it being a hardship. Now, a lot of approaches out there have almost what almost kind of a magic number of calories that they will tell everybody, which is kind of the number that you should be eating, whether some of them are based around 800 calories a day, some are based around 1200 calories a day. That's probably the most common one, 1200 calories a day. Everybody believes that 1200 calories is the perfect amount for weight loss. But the reality is 1200 calories might be right for somebody, but you'll probably be a very small person, very short, very light. Um, 1200 calories would be right for them. But most people, you can get away with eating quite a lot more than that, eating a normal amount of food and still see the results you want to see. And the benefit of not going for one of these, you know, one size fits all dieting approaches where they'll just put you on really, really low calories, basically just to guarantee that you will see some results. The benefit of not doing this is it's much more sustainable. It's much healthier. It's easier to stick to long term. And it avoids that situation that so many people get into where they'll go on a really low calorie restrictive diet. That's just kind of a one size fits all approach. It's not designed for them in particular. Maybe they lose a bit of weight. Maybe they lose half a stone. Maybe they don't lose half a stone because it's too restrictive. And it's, it, you know, they've cut those calories too low, but whether they see results or not, as soon as they go back to eating normally again, all of the weight piles back on because of what they were doing, it just wasn't a long-term approach. It wasn't sustainable. It wasn't realistic and all that body fat will come on and if especially if your hormones are back in the in the kind of you're moving towards menopause and your hormones are starting to shift as you mentioned before when that weight comes back on it's probably going to go on all around the middle again so i mean the, I, i'm going to sum up then the, the key thing here is basically finding the right amount that works for you so the best way to do that is have somebody either find it there's loads of calculators and tools and things but the most accurate way is just to be to work with somebody who knows what they're doing you can just tell you exactly what's going to work for you and then simply track all of the food that you're eating to hit that calorie amount each day and like it can it's it can be very easy these days to do that because there are so many different apps and tools available just like the meditation if you think it's intimidating there will be an app that will make it easier for you there's apps where you literally scan the barcodes on your food it tells you exactly how many calories and things are in them. It figures out all the complicated maths for you. Um, but yeah, that's essentially what we recommend for nutrition in terms of our clients. And it's very, very effective. So building on that, then basically you need to eat the right amount for you, as Ben said there, and that's unique to you. Our next point is to learn how to actually avoid overeating, which might sound like a massive oversimplification. But the key thing is if you're going to, if you gain weight, even during menopause, the only way is because you're eating too much or drinking too much or those overall calories from those two things are too much for the activity you're doing. And it's very, very easy, no matter how much exercise you do to out overeat and out eat that sort of exercise. Like you can't really out exercise the wrong diet. And when we see this going most wrong for people is over the weekends, not always, but for a lot of people that overeating happens over the weekend. And they may even do one of these extreme diets, like 1200 calorie diet, but they're not seeing any results because they then blow it out every weekend because it's really unsustainable. Now, the reason people overeat is completely, you know, it's completely unique to that person. It varies wildly and it can be for anything from social pressure. It could be lack of sleep, which, which messes up your hunger hormones. It could be from stress, which has similar effects, actually. Uh, it could be of your cravings are out of control because of the food choice you're eating and many, many more things. There's lots of reasons why people overeat and they're kind of different. So, it's kind of important to get some help with this one. If you do find you, you keep overeating and you don't know how to stop it because it, it may, it's, it's a relatively complex problem. It's not just eat less because if, if it was that case, you'd already be, if it was that simple, you'd already be eating less. So with our clients, what we do is we work with each of them individually, one-to-one -to, -one, to try and identify what the root cause of the overeating is for them. And then we'll work through it together with lots of proven solutions that we've, you know, we've worked with thousands of women now, many of which are menopausal, um, so we'll work through it together with stuff we we know that works so that we can keep their food intake under control and therefore make sure that they can see good results. So an, an example of this could be um, one of my clients called Lorraine. She has her own business. It's a really stressful business at this time. Um, she's trying to uh, save up for, for her retirement. And so she's putting loads of pressure on herself. And 
the reason she was gaining weight was actually not overeating, it was over drinking, but she was, she was having to deal with the stress of everything um, in her life and, and trying to deal with it, but just couldn't find a way to deal with the pressure and the stress she had on herself. And so she was turning to drink all the time, most evenings, but especially at the weekend, um, having a bottle of wine or two um, over the weekend at very minimum to deal with that stress. And we figured out the root cause is kind of this stress and the pressure she's putting on herself. And we were able to do two things on this to, to help her um, avoid doing that and start seeing good progress again and get her belly to shrink. And one of those was, first of all, alcohol. She, it, was not, it was not a thing which she could uh, reduce. It was, a, it was an all or nothing thing. So we've removed alcohol because that was the only way she had to deal with stress. And then that meant she had to find other ways to deal with stress. So she now signed up to a, a yoga class three days a week. Um, and we're doing some mindset work as well together that she can do every single day to dissipate that stress and to relieve some of that pressure she's got on herself so that she doesn't actually turn to alcohol and sabotage all of her results. So that's just one example of how you can do this. But it, as we said, it's kind of unique to the individual, but it's about for you learning how to avoid that. And most diets, fitness programs don't really go into that. They just go eat this. And if you can't eat this, you must have something wrong with you. They don't really deal with that. So you need something that's going to focus on that. So linking in from like kind of um, Rob said, what you said there, Rob, about the alcohol and kind of it, it, for some people, it can be an all or nothing thing. Another thing which, which tends to be like that for, for some people is their sugar intake. So sugar is a, it's another one of those foods that's very, very hard to eat less of. It's hard to kind of cut your sugar intake down because the more sugar that you eat, the more sugar that you'll want to eat. So, not only can you kind of get a taste for sugar, but sugar also creates what this kind of blood sugar roller coaster. So when you eat sugar, your body processes that very, very quickly. It's a very fast source of energy. You'll, you know, you'll often hear people say, oh, I just had to get a chocolate bar because I needed a bit of energy or, or a Lucozade or Red Bull or can of Coke or whatever. And that sugar will spike your blood sugar level. So it will give you kind of a sudden burst of energy, that sugar rush, but then it's very short-lived and it will fall off very, very quickly. And when that sugar falls off really, really quickly, then your cravings will go through the roof. And in our experience, having coached thousands of women over 40 to get rid of their belly fat, the most effective way to reduce sugar is to cut it out entirely for a short space of time. And whether it's a sugar that's your problem or alcohol or anything else, this tends to work really, really well to eliminate cravings and force you to focus on healthier foods which fill you up for hours rather than just filling you up for minutes. And inside of our Fit Over 40 program, we do this using a process called the diet makeover, which is essentially a very short-term kind of reset phase where our clients will reset their food choices for two weeks. And they'll cut out four food groups, so wheat, alcohol, dairy, sugar, just, just short-term. And what this does, it, it drastically cuts their cravings down, gets them into better habits with food. Then when we say to them, okay, now you can be flexible. You can have all, all the foods that you want. They'll instinctively be making much, much better choices than they were before, but without having to be restrictive. So they'll be able to then have the sugary treats, have a bit of alcohol, et cetera, in moderation without having the cravings and you know the binges and the out of control weekend blowouts that would have been associated with that before. So cutting down sugar intake is a really, really effective tool because not only will it, you know, sugary foods are very, very high in calories, same with alcohol. Um, so you'll be instantly, you'll be cutting down your calorie intake if you switch from sugar to healthier choices, but also it's going to cut down on those cravings, which is going to help you to avoid overeating and avoid going over on your calories again. And as I said before, like nutrition wise, the main thing is just taking in the right amount of food. Um, if you take in too much food, you're going to gain weight. If your hormones are in the, in a, place for you to gain weight around the middle you're going to put weight on around the middle and if you eat the right amount of food for you then the weight's going to come off so it all comes down to controlling how much that you're eating so one other thing that can help with this then because we've talked a lot about controlling your eating and, and um, making sure that's right for you with specific nutrition strategies but there's lots of things outside of just exercise and nutrition that are very important so that you succeed with those things just like um well, I'll introduce what, what I recommend next and then, then I'll give you a quick analogy about it. So the next thing I'd recommend is to actually join other people on the same mission as you. So trying to lose weight over 40 is pretty difficult and it's even more difficult when you're doing it alone. So if you're just trying to do it on your own, you know, it's, I don't know, I can't quantify it, but it's hundred or thousand times more difficult. Honestly, it's like 
I don't know if any any of you watching ran the London Marathon. I certainly didn't this year, but I, it was a lot more difficult for a lot of people because they had to run it on their own at home rather than running it at the event. And the reason a lot of people kind of find they get the big boost of motivation to complete these events like a marathon or a half marathon or anything like that is because you're at this event, there's hundreds or thousands of people around you also doing the same thing. They're all on the same mission. They're struggling with you together and you get through to the end because they're all there running with you. They're kind of, you might speak to some of them, the crowd are there cheering you on. And it means you're just not going to give up in front of them. Unless you have a really serious problem, you're going to make it through one way or another. And it's the same thing with losing weight. It's very, very difficult on your own. It's like trying to run that marathon on your own. You're at home. It's rainy. It's miserable. It's dark. You're not even running it with any friends. Imagine how difficult that's going to be. Even if you've trained, just trying to run it on your own. It's just you. If you're a really brilliant runner, that might be fine. But for any normal person, that's going to be really, really, really hard. And most of the time, they wouldn't even bother starting. And I saw around here, the people who were trying to run it were running it in little groups. They had their support people there. They had the family at home cheering them on or they're running it all um, together in stints. And that's how those people got through it. They weren't just trying to do it on their own. And I think this is a huge mistake, I suppose, people make, if I'm being honest. Like it's it's understandable. It's noble. I always used to think, uh, you know, the self-made people and it's all, so you, you know, the surprise we have doing things on your own. Actually, it's just very, very difficult to do anything on your own um we're meant to be tribal people we're meant to work together so being part of a group of like-minded people means that when you're struggling you can share those struggles with people who actually get it and you can work through that together when someone else is struggling you can also help pick them up and you can see that you're not the only one having those struggles you're not the only one finding the bad weather is affecting you today and i, I get clients saying this to me i'm sure you do Ben, as well all the time there we have our one-to-one -one phone call we have our catch-up and they say you know I thought this, I was the only one finding this hard. And I then saw a load of people on your community, on inside the community were, were saying the same thing. And it made it just a lot, lot more bearable to realize I was also finding the change in weather hard or um, it's more difficult to, to get out and get walking because of the weather and things like this. The other reason why being part of a, a group of like-minded people really is important is because it also helps shift what's called your identity. And this is a deeper topic. We could probably do a whole podcast on it. But basically who you identify as, whether that's I'm a mum, it's I'm a, and then whatever your career is, um, I'm a you know, professional working woman, whatever you identify yourself as, that is kind of the results you're going to get in your life. So if you identify yourself as a, a career woman or as a mum, you're going to be really good at those things. But if you just don't identify with fitness at all and with a group about around fitness at all, you just, or, or health or, you know, being in shape. If you're just like, yeah, I do diets, but I'm not really into fitness and stuff like that. The more you say that, the more that will manifest itself. And that's kind of who you'll become. Whereas if you are part of a fit and healthy, healthy community who are all dedicated to the same cause, you know, so being fit over 40, for example, like our community, and there's a culture that you can feed off, then every, every um, person gets influenced by that. And they're all more likely to succeed. And you're also more likely to internalize that. So you start to see yourself as I'm, you know, I'm a type of person who is fit over 40 because they're the kind of people I'm hanging out with, even if it is an online community. And President Kennedy, um, he, back when he was alive, he actually passed away. Well, he got assassinated, didn't he, on my birthday. I always remember 22nd November. But he's a wise man. And he said, um, a rising tide lifts all boats. So if you imagine a load of boats out to sea, when the tide rises, all the boats, they might have been sat on the sand. They all rise up together and then they're all floating together. And this is true of being part of a community. This is kind of what this phrase is, is attributed to a lot of the time. Community that is succeeding is going to lift you up so you can succeed better too. If you're on your own, you're trying to do it on your own. The minute things start to go wrong, it becomes very, very difficult. You have no one there who gets it, no one there supporting you, and you think you're the only one struggling. So I can't stress enough how important that this is to be part of a community of other like-minded people as well. And then to take that one step further, um, the final tip we've got is to get a coach who understands menopause to keep you accountable. Now we're not saying, you know, come work with us. You can work with us if you want. Um, if you think, if you think um, you'd be someone who would get along well with us, then we'd love to have you on board. But essentially it's easy to fail alone. This is kind of the reason the community works as well. So when you have that identity shift and you start to identify as part of a community, part of a, a group of other women, um, it's more difficult to fail if you know that people are people are going to be there to almost see you fail. So when you've had that stressful week at work, combined with a chaotic family life, endless chores, other responsibilities to stay on top of, 
it's very, very easy to give into wines, give into chocolate, give into crisps, give into takeaways. And if you just kind of do that in private, it's, it's easy to fail in private. It's easy to fail when nobody's watching you, when nobody's seeing you kind of go down that slippery slope. But if you do have somebody to keep you accountable, and that could be a coach, it could be a friend, it could be a community. If you have someone who, who, who you know is going to ask you every single week what you've done, um, what you haven't done, and they're there to kind of hold you accountable, help you through everything, solve any problems or struggles that you're having, it massively increases your chances of success. Because even though, even if you're only having like a 15, 30 minute phone call with a coach a week, it's not what happens in that phone call that's important. It's what that phone call actually gives you. So the whole rest of the week leading up to that phone call, uh, imagine, like imagine I was one of Rob's clients, I'd be thinking, oh, I've got to have a call with Rob on Tuesday. I better, uh, I don't want to have to tell him. I don't want to have to admit to him that I haven't done any of my workouts and I've eaten four chocolate cakes over the course of the week. So I'll probably, I'll, I'll you know, I'll stay in good habits so that I can report back to him with, with some positive news. So just having that accountability there and having that kind of touch point on a weekly basis makes it so much easier to stay on track. And just like you'd show up to work every single day and you'd work hard on all of the tasks and, and projects that you've got going on because you've got your boss checking in on you, you're, you're accountable to your boss, you're accountable to somebody else. You need that kind of same level of accountability when attempting to get rid of belly fat on a fitness program, just to ensure that you stick to it and you succeed. And there will be people who can succeed without any accountability, without being part of a group of people, without having a coach. But in my experience, these people are very, very rare. These like completely self-driven, self-motivated people. And even if you are that way, um, it tends to be not when everything's going well that you need that coach and that accountability. It tends to be when things are going really badly. And you, you never know what's around the corner in life. I mean, I don't, I mean, nobody could have predicted there was going to be a, a pandemic. You can never predict when a you know, family member's going to get ill and you're going to get ill. You're going to injure yourself. Your job situation is going to change. Stressful, difficult things happen all the time. And it's those moments when it's really helpful to have somebody you can turn to, somebody that will pick you up, somebody that will check, chase you up and check that you're doing okay and find out why you haven't been checking in. And I think that's the, the real value of having that coach. It's just, it's almost kind of, it's just like an insurance policy. It's like investing just to make sure that you have every possible chance of getting the results that you want. So it's, it takes away a bit of the, the uncertainty and the, you know, maybe you'll drop a dress size, maybe you won't. And it can shift that into, you will drop a dress size. It's just a matter of how long that's going to take. And just to give you a couple of examples of how this could work. So we'll go through a couple of clients that we've worked with so you can see what they were able to do in terms of putting these 16 tips we talked about um, into action and also shifting that menopause belly. Um, the first one is Charlotte from Harrogate and uh, she's a busy mum of two. She's in her late 40s and she's got a really demanding career. And she just found that um, she was really finding the body, her body shape changing, how the weight was piling around her middle and she didn't really know how to get rid of it. So here's what she said. She said, I joined Trinity in April. I was sick of having a heavy, thick set waist and loved the results of other members. I'm more than happy to work hard, but until April, I didn't have a plan which would give me results. I just ate what I thought was a good diet and worked hard in the gym with zero results. Now I'm the leanest I've been in years. I look great in my clothes and my confidence grown significantly. I found I'm good at weight-based exercises and they've given me a strong shape that I love. Plus my stomach is the flattest I've known it for such a long, long time. And my waist has gone from 33 and a half inches at the start to now being just 29 inches. I've loved everything about Trinity. I've loved the com community feel and the other members are very supportive. Professional support is excellent from the trainers and the content both nutritional and exercise-based is excellent. And most importantly, it works. I think that's a great point. Obviously, all that stuff's great, but the most important thing is we're able to get her results and we're able to um, shrink, shrink her belly for her and get her feeling a lot more confident, which is awesome. And then another, another quick uh, testimony as well is from Julie. So she's one of my clients. We're still working together now. She's done amazingly well. And um, she was struggling to lose any weight since turning 50 and hitting menopause. So she said, before I started, I was unhappy, size 12 or 14, probably a 14. And I lacked confidence. I felt frumpy and generally felt that nothing I wore looked nice. I felt like people judged me on my size. I tried Weight Watchers and been successful years ago, but since turning 50 and hitting menopause, nothing I'd done before was working. I tried Slimming World for a day, but after being told, how, told to eat low calorie foods and being given no sensible advice, I decided <clears> it wasn't for me. 
looking at Trinity, I thought it might be too restrictive and all about taking <laughs> all about taking the money, but not giving any new information. But that was just a small part of me. Everything in the advert resonated with me, so I wanted to believe it could work. Since joining Trinity, I've lost about 22 pounds. I'm more toned to the point people have said that they want my arms. I've lost 14 centimeters from my waist and gone down two dress sizes. I'm stronger physically and emotionally. I've gained confidence to leave situations that don't serve me, to find and join new groups, to change roles at work. And I've spent years refusing to wear shorts and vest tops for running. And now I have no issues doing this. I'm running stronger and faster than I ever have. And she's actually just run, a, I think, run a marathon this last weekend um, as well. So pretty amazing. And she's, I do have some brilliant pictures, actually. I don't know if I, I can share them yet, but she's completely transformed the way um, she looks and looks, you know, years, years younger than 50, which is amazing. So they're just two examples of, um, of clients we've worked with who've defeated the menopause belly. We've got lots and lots more as well um, that you can see on our website. So Ben, where can people go if they want to find out more, see, see the kind of results they could achieve and things like that? So if you want to find out more, find out about how you can put these 16 tips into action, um, head over to www.fit40info.com and you can get all of the details on that page. Brilliant. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you found it useful. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you next Friday for the next episode of the Trinity podcast. So thank you for listening to today's episode of the Trinity podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button inside your podcast app so you don't miss future shows. And also please leave us a quick review. It only takes two minutes. We do all of these shows completely for free to help you. So we'd really appreciate a quick review if it's helped you at all. So thank you again so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for the next episode of the Trinity podcast.